but could I stay up until 5 a.m. and have a sake sunrise and go watch this DJ that I don't even know what the bleep loops are. I have no idea who he is. I don't care. I'm not cool like that. But like, yes, I want to go see that artwork. I want to go expand my perspectives. I want to meet these strange humans that are wearing no clothes. Like it's, it's everything everywhere all at once. Hello and welcome to Here in LA, Mid-City Edition. Today, we talk with Brooke Bergstaller. Brooke is lightning in a bottle, an actress, a journalist, a resident of Mid-City, which she delightfully calls Pico. She's also the host of the Budding Mind podcast, which is all about the higher experience. So we will talk about shrooms, ecstasy, Burning Man, and what it's like to work as an actor in the competitive world of Hollywood. You can see Brooke on For All Mankind on Apple Plus, but right now you can hear her on this very hot podcast. So don't do a damn thing except sit back and relax. Here's Brooke. Hey, everybody. I'm in mid-city with Brooke Bergstaller. Yes. Is that how you say it? That's right, baby. Is it Swedish? Oh, my God. That's so exciting. No, it's German. <laughs> I've never gotten Swedish before. Well, it's close. You guys are kind of neighbors. Birkenstalla. <laughs> I believe it means it's like the, the valley, in bet- the stall, like the horse stall in, be- in the valley. Oh. Birkenstalla. Ha- have you been to the motherland? I have not. Still on the bucket list. Your parents haven't. Do you have relatives out there? It's blasphemous that I haven't been. I'm angry at my parents. Thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> and uh, no, it's it's good to still have places around the world that are I want to drop a pin at. But yeah, I've been. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. No doubt. I went to Oktoberfest when I was 21. Okay, that feels like the way to do it. It's really cold though, so be careful. Okay. Um. Well, Brooke, we're talking to you for a few reasons. First of all, your podcast is fantastic. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, her podcast is called Budding Mind. What's the next line? Budding Mind. You asked me what was the next line after. It's just Budding Mind. Oh, you just repeat it. Yeah. It sounds different to me. Well, that's a cacophony of voices that you're hearing. It's actually me and my partner just saying Budding Mind in like a million different ways. Um, did you write this theme song? Oh my. Well, thank you for asking. Actually... No, my best friend Megan, she has a music production company called Bad Owl. And so her and her producer partner created a song for me for a cannabis show I worked on a long time ago. And then my partner, Jimmy, is a musical genius and was able to repurpose it, add some lyrics. And so it's kind of, it was like a song that needed to be born that was sitting on the back burner for a while. This painting right here is called Jimmy Never Learned to Swim. Oh my God, poor Jimmy. My Jimmy knows how to swim, but... So on the right-hand side there, you'll see a guy with his hands up (laughs) in the black ocean. Wow, yeah, but you know what? Jimmy learned to paint. (laughs) For those listening at home, Jimmy learned to paint, so who cares about swimming? Jimmy's a really good painter. He's a great painter. Right on. (laughs) Has he painted pictures of you? No paintings of me. Typically more of the abstract variety, but my Jimmy is very talented. So Jimmy, you better fucking listen to this podcast. Can I swear? Oh yeah, of course. Okay. 
Okay. Girls, fine as you are, you can do whatever you want. Oh, hell to the yeah. Is Jimmy responsible for your beautiful art on your IG? Okay, honestly, let's just talk about Jimmy for a while. He <laughs> is a graphic designer and a woodworker and a million different things, an editor, filmmaker, and yes, he did happen to create the artwork for Budding Mind. Yes, there's advantages to dating a creative. Well, the reason I ask is your whole presentation for your podcast is top-notch, mm. uh, envious goals, all this stuff. Your your editing is, is sharp and good. You are just so lively and bubbly on your podcast. Also, you do a lot of research, a lot more than I do. <laughs> I and, guess I'll find out. <laughs> and, it, and it comes out, though. Do you enjoy doing the research for your guests? Well, I love it. I mean, I'm picking, I work a lot in the cannabis space and the plant medicine space and having a podcast, as I'm sure you know, enables you to broaden the conversations that you're having. I mean, when you're talking to people that are experts in certain fields, they're people. So they know a lot about a lot of different things anyways. So um, this is an opportunity for me to kind of speak about things that interest me. So when I'm doing the research, there's already a foundation for curiosity there. Uh, maybe I know maybe I know some nuggets about this person or this thing, or maybe I'm excited to go down the path. But yeah, from like a journalistic perspective, I'm not afraid of a hard Google, Tony. Well, speaking of that, you went to the University of Miami. Are you getting flashbacks with this humidity today, by the way? LOL. Yeah, <laughs> Miami was hard to get used to, but I'm feeling good. I just got back from Burning Man, so I'm grateful for all of the different weather patterns that I'm experiencing. You, you look fantastic. I know. It's shocking, right? Yeah. I was a little bit nervous for this, honestly. I'm not sure I have many brain cells left to give, so pardon <laughs> any pause of mine. Well, let's just, let's just jump to that then. <laughs> what drugs did you do? At Burning Man, this Burning Man. Because, first of all, it was very hot out there, right? God, it was so hot. <laughs> like 110? Yeah, something and I, like that. And a friend of mine went and said it was also very dusty. It was very dusty. And kind of uncomfortable. Yeah, literally like white people, man. They'll go, they're just like, let's just go into the center of the apocalypse and make it our own. But look at my cute outfits. <laughs> uh, I don't know why. We all have a death wish and decided to go... 12 hours away, nine hour, nine hour drive from Los Angeles about. Um, yeah, I mean, sure, I dabbled in many a substance. I had some new experiences with substances as well that was actually really exciting because I've had um, not judgments, but um, opinions about a particular substance that I have not had personal in-depth experience with and that has been changed and altered. And so now I really feel like I have a new level of understanding, uh, which is very exciting. We all do heroin at some point. Ah. It's okay. <laughs> you don't want to discuss what? No, no needle drugs for me. No, um, but you don't want to talk about the... the... Oh, the specific? Yeah, yeah, if I can, sure. Of course. I tried ketamine, um, which is, I've, tr I've tried this before. Yeah. Great story. First time I tried ketamine, my friend is she really has a space in her heart for ketamine, as many people do. I know it has myriad therapeutic benefits. There's ketamine clinics popping up all over the place. People are really benefiting from this, this substance. Um, I have a wariness around nose drugs because I went to school in Miami and I just have like a little bit of like a, maybe we don't need to be doing cocaine every day. And like, is that cocaine? Cause I'm pretty sure I have to shit every time I do it. And I think that's a laxative that we're disguising as an upper, but whatever. Oh, 
<laughs> I mean, yeah, Coke, like at least the Coke people, I did. People might cut Coke with laxatives. It's better than fentanyl. That's true. <laughs> I mean, it's better you have to shit than you That's true. die. So, uh, but yeah, I my my friend, I asked her to take me on a ketamine journey once upon a time, and she did. It was like 10 p.m. We're in my house in mid-city. The lights are <laughs> low. I have like a little courtyard area before you get to my front door, which is a metal metal. And so we're dropping into a meditation. Candles are lit. We do our little first bit of ketamine. And I'm like, what am I going to feel? And then all of a sudden we hear these banging footsteps, like thud, 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 a banging on my metal gate and a flashlight going in through my front windows. And he goes, L-A-G-W-P, open up. And I was like, oh my God, it's L-A-D-P. The cops are here. They know I did ketamine. It was water and power. Apparently, they make night calls. They work 24 hours. And I had put in a request earlier that day. Oh, my God. I didn't think of that at the time. I did not think they would show up. But there were lines, like the power lines behind my backyard were sparking. And so I made a phone call to see what the fuck is up. Should I do anything about that? Yeah. They came at night. So anyways, I had to leave my house while I'm like, dancing for the first time with ketamine to go show them the power line and uh, I was like okay maybe maybe this isn't the thing for me maybe this is a sign uh and then yeah I had one other experience drinking ketamine which was really fun really like wildly cool but beyond that I would say like my first real foray was at Burning Man this week which seems like a really good safe space to try any new drug Kind of, yeah. I mean, yes and no. There's so many people. You really have to, like, know yourself and feel safe with yourself, I think. Or at least for me, to embark on psychedelic experiences with 80,000 people around you. But these are 80,000 people that, like, all love you without knowing you. Yeah. Or at least that's what we're, like, saying. That's the brand of... And and most of them are tripping themselves. Exactly. (laughs) I mean, it's one of the few places you can assume. It's a playground. Like this in the Grateful Dead concert. Almost everybody's... Or fish. There you go. Presumably. A fish concert. Which would make me feel safe. Are there cops out there in Burning Man? Yeah, there's a lot of cops. And so that's, like, a lot of uh, preparing for Burning Man. A lot of content was being pushed out, literally like PDFs, documents, videos, lawyers, people arming attendees with information about how to interact with cops because it's BLM land, so it's federal land. So even though even cannabis is legal in Nevada now recreationally, it's not on this land. And um, there are a lot of rangers. The Burning Man organization provides a lot of security, if you will, by way of rangers. Those are your friends. Those guys are there to keep you safe. But there's a lot of undercover cops that are there to fuck you over. Undercover? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, baby. So you have to be very careful about taking out substances. You can't just smoke a joint anywhere. Like, you really... What? I know. So it adds this, like, very complex layer to the experience. But it's good, I think, to inject a bit of, like, purposeful awareness into everyone because otherwise we are just all like going balls to the wall, which we are anyway. <laughs> Good. But, um, but yeah, cops are there and that sucks. And oh. fuck 12 is all I have to say. It definitely puts a damper on it all. But, but really the amount of education that I received going into the festival was like, st- will stay with me. You yeah. know, like 
no, you, no, I do not consent to a search. Am I being detained? Am I being detained? Am I free to go? All of these are really good mantras to have in your back pocket as a human anywhere. So every one of these podcasts, I learned something. And within 10 minutes, you've already taught me something. Cause I, for the only reason I haven't gone to Burning Man is I'm not crazy about that kind of music. I'm learning. You don't to. like bleep, blah, 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 bleep. You don't like the sound of aliens having sex. Um, yeah. ro- robot music isn't my thing. <laughs> but robot. but I, I'm, I want to be an open-minded person. And the older I get, the more, the less I want to be. You know, music ain't the same as it used to be. I don't want to be that guy. I also am. I'm from the Midwest. And I'm a little uptight. You're from Chicago? Yeah. Ah. And so I, I realize I'm a little uptight. And so when my friend said, okay, there's this place where you get naked and you walk around the desert for five days. I was like, dumb. But then I was like, but is it safe to be naked? Because that might, I, I want my boundaries pushed, which is another reason I'm so glad that you're here. Mm. Because you and all the other people in this higher awareness world, I feel like, psychedelics and even cannabis does push our envelope, opens up our third eye and allows us to activate parts of our brain that aren't going to happen by watching TV. And I'm totally down for that. And so it kind of makes me a little sad that this, that this burning man safe space isn't as safe. Well, okay, I don't want to. Well, did you see people get arrested? Bosh on it. I did not. I heard all story. I heard a single story. Yeah. About a potential arrest happening. Um, but I think what's really exciting about Burning Man is it's a microcosm of the macro, right? Mm. So, in the real world, we have to deal with cops. Like there are still rules. There are there are boundaries. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely a safer space than anywhere else I've been on earth to test those boundaries. I didn't have fear in me about police or anything like that. I'm also not a fucking idiot. And maybe (laughs) some, like, I don't know, maybe some people got to learn a lesson or two. Uh, Also, I don't think you're uptight. I'm like looking around your home and look at your beautiful art and your Bernie posters and all of this. If you have any inclination, curiosity to experience Burning Man, by all means, please fucking go. Really? The experience of like it was just it's sensory overload to a point of sometimes overwhelm yeah but with that there is because you're in the dry desert that's trying to kill you you're balancing like pushing what you think is possible with needing to tend to yourself Mm. and it was a constant reminder of like okay, I actually think I have to say no to this and go to sleep. I need to drink water. I need to put Mm. chapstick on. I need to tend to my skin. I need to be careful with my brain. And then at the same time, it's like, but could I stay up until 5 a.m. and have a sake sunrise and go watch this DJ that I don't even know what the bleep loops are. I have no idea who he is. I don't care. I'm not cool like that. But like, yes, I want to go see that artwork. I want to go expand my perspectives. I want to meet these strange humans that are wearing no clothes. Like, it's, it's everything everywhere all at once and that is I I don't know I don't think that that experience has been replicated anywhere else right right uh did you have an incredible vehicle because I imagine like the perfect vehicle is maybe an RV or something like that oh yeah if you can go to Burning Man as a rich guy let me 10 out of 10 recommend that (laughs) and many people would say that's what's ruining Burning Man oh um because there's 
there's like two worlds. There's the goofy people camping in tents. Um, there's there's the grounded aspect, and then there's the the Silicon Valley pay to play Israeli camps that are like. <laughs> All these very rich, clean people staying in air-conditioned RVs, wearing like perfectly bedazzled and jeweled. Uh, so there's again, it's it's a microcosm of the right. macro. It's everything. It just feels more intense because there's only eighty thousand people. Um, but I stayed in a cargo van. Oh, rented a U-Haul. Uh, definitely an upgrade from a tent, but I will not return without an RV. It is an elitist experience. For sure. I think like we as attendees of Burning Man need to willingly admit it is a privilege to be here. So when you say a cargo van, you mean like if like I was a U-Haul, moving. U-Haul, baby. Don't tell U-Haul. <laughs> it was one hell of a job cleaning it. Is, isn't it really hot in the in the van? It... Well, we ran the AC. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. Where did, where did you pick it up at? U-Haul. No, but but what part of town? A downtown. L.A.? Yeah, downtown So you drove, a, you drove the U-Haul all the way out there. That's right, girl. Interesting. Yeah. Many of my friends have RVs, so that would definitely be the next yeah. step. Okay, so let's, let's get back to your podcast. Yeah, let's talk about her. And... Again, I'm so happy that you're on my podcast. Thank you for having me. This is fun already. even though you have great guests, you, and you have great guests, um, I wanted to hear more from you. Oh. And unlike you, I talk too much on my podcast. <laughs> it just, it just, okay. This podcast is kind of to dispel the belief that L.A. is all actors and actresses of L.A. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, let me dispel that. But it, it, but you are an actress, and you've been on shows that many of us have watched. We might not have known it was you, but you've been on some hot shows. Mm-hmm. And I think it's good that we have a few actors in here because it is part of LA. Yeah. But you're doing something Sorry. with... Well, you're doing something with a twist. You're doing this podcast all about higher minds. What would you call the, the podcast? You know, all things far out. Really, my desire with the Buddy Mind podcast is to consistently push people's perspectives, mind expansion. I think when you have an open mind, you have an open heart. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, that's that's what we need the most of. You know, I you don't have to agree with what I agree with. You don't have to like what this person is saying, but you do have to let them. Let them be. Well, you don't put a lot of your own opinion on here, but I guess just mm. having them on is you blessing that you <laughs> yeah. you like the, the the porn star who's the OnlyFans girl. Oh my God, yes. You like her. Ophelia who grows 27 different kinds of shrooms. Yes. You know, and even the PAC CEO, who I never knew was the Weed Maps guy. Right. Um, and I'm sorry that you weren't at that PAX event because Were I- Were you there? That's where I got to meet Zoe. Oh, Zoe. We love a Zoe shout out. She's my girl. She's my queen. Everyone, go find Zoe Wilder out there in the world. She's a goddess send. How did you find her? I found her through working in cannabis. 
Because she's there. Because she's there. She's everywhere. Yeah. And she's always so cool. And I would see her at these events and I was like super intimidated by her. But turns out I think she's just like kind of shy. Intimidated because you could just sense that she is the center of the universe. Yeah. That she's cool, man. <laughs> that she's got it together and that she's like really grounded. I think that's one of my, if Zoe, if you're listening to this, Zoe and her partner, Mike, are just so calm and cool and together. And I have phone calls with them. Whenever we have phone calls, I have to like take a couple breaths before I get on. Cause I'm like, Brooke, you need to meet their energy. You are a psychopath bouncing off the walls. And they're just like, yeah, man, whatever happens, happens. <laughs> I, you're not a psychopath. Ah. You're just filled with energy. Yeah, I got a lot of it. What astrological sign are you? I'm a Virgo. Do you believe in that stuff? Mysterious. I do. Did you just celebrate your birthday or are you about to have I it? I shall. September 19th. My mom's the 20th. Really? Happy birthday wow. in uh, happy early birthday. A week and a half, week and so. Yeah. God bless the Virgos in God the world. God bless the Virgos. Yeah. Yeah. We're good people. Yeah. We're complicated. Oh. <laughs> How so? Um, perhaps, you know, I'm not like an astrological know-it-all. Virgo to me is a sign that is like somewhat dismissed in some ways or like remains partially undefined for me mm. being a Virgo. Um, but you know, that's, I, I heard mm. you guys can be very picky. <gasps> what? Your, your house is immaculate what your outfits are always perfect and ironed and clean and is this like anthropology like oh my god look at you is it throwing out anthro no but it's close i think it's <laughs> i actually don't remember what it is i think it's top shop okay yeah at the grove it was at the grove how about that is it still there how about that i don't know if it's still there i think it like went away for a minute and came back and yeah like the grove I mean... You fuck with the Grove? I, I think I do. You do fuck with the Grove? Well, because of the farmer's market and the movie theater. Ah, uh, the movie theater is unparalleled. I find that so odd about LA. And, and you're on the east side, so maybe yeah. you have different movie theaters. But for a city that is drenched in the entertainment universe, yeah, not a lot of killer movie theaters. Well, this one right over here is. When it, when it reopens, the Vista. The Vista? Have I've you not been? been? Your next BFF, Mr. Quentin Tarantino, just bought it. Mm. So you will be here. I used to live by the New Beverly Cinema. His is does he still own that? He one? still owns that. Since we're talking about entertainment, you're an actress yeah. among many other things. Uh, I'm a multifaceted. Because because in Miami you studied broadcast journalism. Look at you. But you had a, a a second major. What was your other major? Theater. Originally it was Spanish, but then it got hard. Were you always the, the girl, like, look at me, look at me, I'm going to be the star of the show? <laughs> um, kind of, yes. But I, I do believe that there's, like, a bit of humbleness in, in my personality. Which is fine. You can still really? kick ass. <laughs> really? You know, you know what I'm saying? But, yeah, I've always been pretty loud, outspoken. I like to talk in front of people, to mm. people. I like to entertain. Yeah. Are you the only child? My brother passed away. Oh. Yeah. You were t yes. you were showing me your tattoo. Yeah. So I was not born an only child, but now I am one. Oh. But I wasn't raised like a dick. How much older was he? He was 17 when he passed away. I was 14. We were two and a half years apart. Oh. And he passed away almost 18 years ago. I'm so sorry. It's okay. Uh, you've got a 55 on your 
That was his uh, sports number? Yeah, that was Taylor's basketball number. So cool story, he was 24. And then, and then the year he passed away for some reason, it was actually drama. Someone on the team like swept in and took 24. And he was left with 55. But you see 55 out in the world a lot more. I don't know. I think it's all part of the story because 55 is also, when it comes to numerology, it's a very significant number. It is? Four is a number of, think about it, like it's a square, right? It's stability. You have a solid oh. foundation. Five, knock you over. Five is a number of change, of movement. It's, it's, it is an omen in and of itself of something is, is moving here. Um, not in a bad way. I mean, well, well, him dying was kind of a bad thing. For sure. But, <laughs> um, you know, looking back on it, that's the, the blessing of tragedy is when you're able to digest it, metabolize it, and it becomes something good. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Where'd you guys grow up? I was born in Buffalo, New York, and then we moved all around. He passed away in Arizona. Uh, so, okay. So from, from Zona, yeah. you applied for the University of Miami. That's correct. You got in. Yes. You kicked booty. Yeah. Uh, the theater program was good. Mm. Mm. And you said, great, moving to LA, I'm going to be a star. Something like that. Uh yeah, I, I studied, well, I mean, at University of Miami, you could study, like, theater, which is what I did, and then you could also be in the conservatory program, which I didn't do because I wanted to have a life and have friends outside of it. Um, so, theater program, nothing to write home about. Broadcast journalism, great school. Hey, if you want to study fucking wires and that stuff, <laughs> go to UM, loved it. But yeah, I pretty much knew, I didn't want to go to college. Um, my parents kind of forced me which is a funny thing to say. Like, oh, they forced me to go to party for four years in Florida. <laughs> right. But... Because that's the number one party school in, in Florida, right? I mean, probably not. UF? Oh. University of Florida? Oh, it's more over there? Oh, my God, yeah. What, I, what else do you have to do in Tallahassee or Tampa, wherever it is? It doesn't even matter, see? But, but see, I always assumed that Miami is just a party city all by itself, and I mean, then it you is. get a bunch of young kids together. It's UM is actually, like, kind of a decent school, though. That's that's the hiccup. Right. Very international. I'm sure everyone's just paying to go there, but yeah. uh, to get in. But yeah, I, I figured I would torch my degrees and move out to Los Angeles in pursuit of the dream that I had since I was a young lad. Really? Yeah. Okay, <laughs> By on. the way, Tony just threw his cat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very cute kitty. I am allergic to cats, as I told Tony, but I did consent to having the cat in my face. And he's a very fluffy cat, he's very and he's um, shedding because of the heat. So Aww. thank you for putting up for, with wow. us. Okay, so you came to L.A., and immediately the general hospital says, Brooke, step right up. Yeah, pretty much immediately. If I'm being totally honest, yeah. I was such an idiot. I mean, I still am, but for different reasons. When I was in school talking about moving to California, I was always going to move to L.A. There was no way around it. That was my only plan after college since I entered school. I genuinely thought that I would move to L.A., audition for Vampire Diaries, get scooped up by CW, and be a star. I was like, ah, maybe like two, three years Maybe, maybe about two or three years, Brooke, and then you're pretty much going to live the life of your dreams. Right. I literally thought all I had to do was try. Uh, 
moving to LA. Very, very humbling process, a continuation of the creative expression and journey. Yeah. Um, But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm along for the ride. Definitely have had expectations tempered for the better, you might say. (laughs) Humbling because what I've seen on TV is there'll be a casting call and you'll go into a room kind of like this with three couches and there'll be 20 hot babes just like you who look just like you. Look just like me. Maybe they're dressed, maybe you're dressed all alike if they give you notes about what you should wear. It's eerie. And you get like 30 seconds to wow the casting director. Mm-hmm. Is all that stuff real? All that stuff is real. I would say COVID changed one thing dramatically because we used to have to drive to Burbank. You know, I, I used to have to drive 40 minutes away to go do a one line audition, which was like right this way and then drive all the way home. Oh, yeah. Now, because of COVID, self tapes reign supreme. Great. Which is Great in many ways. And then also really sad for my partner who I have to say like, hey, babe, can you help me do a self-tape? Puts a lot of pressure on the actor to also be the producer, director, and editor. Yeah. Uh, But all in all, it actually is a better thing and has expanded opportunities for me for sure. But it's, it's so weird. I mean, trying to be an actor is so fucking weird. And when I watch shows, not that I've seen it, but like when I see Sharknado 9 is out... (laughs) I'm like, am I that bad of an actor that I can't be on Sharknado 9? Like, what the fuck? God damn it. When I watch a Lifetime, I'm like, really? I, I'm not, like, Lifetime friendly? Oh, man. So, so Barking how, up the wrong tree, I guess. So how do you, how do you cope? Mm. How do you cope with that? Like, do you tell yourself, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be? Like, does that work? Well, probably in the same ways that you cope with whatever your life hands you every day. Um, You know, there's one of my favorite stories is about Jim Carrey. Now, I haven't talked to him personally to verify the truth of this, but the story is that his father wanted to be a comedian desperately and ended up I don't know, getting someone pregnant, having kids, getting married, having to follow a traditional path to provide for his family. And one day his dad came home and got fired and was devastated because, you know, hard hit to the ego and also how am I going to take care of my family? And Jim Carrey took that moment in life as like, wait a minute, if your heart can be broken in pursuit of something you don't love, why would you not pursue what you do love? Yes. And... That I hold very near and dear to my heart. And also, you know, and and I see a lot of this in L.A. too, which I actually think is fucking funny. And maybe you've seen it as well. A lot of people that came here to be actors or musicians or to become a star. Yeah. End up becoming life coaches or teachers or yoga instructors or end up finding like this path of... um, higher awareness Mm. because they've had to right because they've been challenged to such a degree that they've had to find a way to cope Mm -hmm. and in some ways same goes for me i mean my skin is so fucking thick you couldn't pierce this with a knife (laughs) just kidding i cry all the time uh very sensitive but well in sports the best coaches uh, were the mediocre or even bad players because they had to work that much harder for it you know michael jordan 
was pretty much always really good as a pro. And so it's hard for him to relate to other pros. There you go. I love that. So maybe that's why these life coaches are doing that. Yeah, maybe that's why they're up to that. But I'm still, you know, I have plan A is please someone cast me in a sitcom and let me live the life of my dreams. And then plan B isn't so bad either. You know, being in pursuit of acting and comedy and all of these opportunities that uh, I am gifted with infrequently has led me to find a path in cannabis as, and, and as a creator in an unconventional way and has spawned me to create a podcast because it's like, hey, if, if you're not going to hire me, then like, why don't I create from my own heart? And even if no one listens to it, at least I'm, I'm making something, I'm birthing something into the world. And um, I believe that the universe wants us to constantly be expanding and that is our purpose and you know we, you have to contribute to the expansion and sometimes as an actor you're led to believe that your opportunities are in the hands of other people and that is largely true so you have to figure out ways to work around that to still contribute to the expansion of your own life and the world around you i love it <laughs> What was your most successful role in Hollywood so far? This past year, when I, or well, now it's two years ago. It's crazy because you audition for something, you shoot it, and then it comes out like so much later than that moment of, of auditioning. But I had a come to Jesus moment with acting where I was hands to the sky, like universe, what am I doing? Why am I spending so much time on these self-tapes, taking classes? I'm giving so much energy to this, and it's just doesn't seem to be reciprocal. Am I missing something? Am I missing the point? Am, am I not listening? Uh, and I was ready to kind of say, like, maybe it's time to pack it up. Mm. And, and you, you just, like, not put all of the eggs, energetic eggs, into this basket. Mm -hmm. And literally within like a week or two, I was cast in two things <gasps> in one week, which has never happened before to me. Hopefully it'll happen again. <laughs> but it was just it was divine timing. Yeah. And so one of them was for the Orville, uh, Seth MacFarlane's The Orville. Yeah. It was very exciting. I had a whole line, which was <laughs> right this way. You guys go check out the episode. You'll see the side of my face. Oh, my God. <laughs> It was a pinnacle moment in my career on set. Everyone was so nice. Oh, it was so amazing. I had to know I had one whole line, but I had to like watch for these doors to open and cue someone else to open the doors and then do this, this and make my mark and brrr, all of these things and then say right this way. And my <laughs> voice was stuck in my throat and Seth MacFarlane said, hey, can you speak up? We want to hear you. And I was like, Absolutely not. I cannot speak up. No way. I cannot. This voice does not go any louder. I am pissing myself. So that was cool. Um, were, were you in the cool spacesuit outfit? Yeah, I was in a, I was in a very cool spacesuit. <laughs> 
kind of wild. Like I had to audition for it. I had to do a callback for it. I had to go in for a fitting. I had to, and then it was a, a day of shooting all for one line. Tell me about the callback though. It was all on tape. Oh, it was all, uh, this was all mm-hmm. COVID time. Yeah. But still, when you get the, okay, you have an agent, right? Yes. So the agent calls you and says, baby, they want you back. Baby, baby. Is that how it goes though? Yeah, you get an audition that comes in the form of an email you send in a self-tape and then, yeah. yeah. Then it's baby, baby, we want you. And then the other thing that I did was, um, probably the most exciting thing was For All Mankind. I actually got to speak. My character had a name. I don't think I know this show. It's on Apple TV. Oh, okay. What's funny is that I had never heard of the show either. Mm-hmm. And I got the self-tape. And I was like, I don't want to do this. It's due in like a few hours. I'm just, I don't want to ask anyone to do this for me. I'm, I'm over it. I don't even know what the show is. And then for some reason, I just pulled it together, did the self-tape. I ended up not needing anyone else. It was just a monologue. And then I booked it. And I was like, what is this show? Turns out it's a pretty big show. It's a really big show on Apple TV. It's about the space race. Uh-huh. And so for a week, I went and filmed that. Um, oh. The first episode of the third season, which is like all about the first hotel in space. And oh. things go badly. Okay, so we need to we need to go through seasons ones and two. Yeah, or just skip right to three. Can we just skip to yeah, three? Yeah, just go ahead and watch me. Send me the residuals. What people might not know about actors is that we get residual checks from SAG. SAG, strange union situation. But I had one line on a show called Blackish, and I still get $30 checks about every two months. Wow. For one line. On one episode. So Tracy Ross is making big bucks. Right? I, I sometimes wonder, like, man, I haven't seen that actor in anything for a while. How are they paying their bills? Yeah. That's how. Residuals are insane. There's a writer who's on Instagram who um, who talks about the whole business. And about once a month or every two months, he'll go through his residual checks and open them up for everybody. And he'd be like, 50 cents. Five hundred dollars. Oh my god, I love twenty dollars. And he's just super transparent about it because what does he care? You know, he but he wants to tell the real story. I love that. That sometimes you'll do something, and and sometimes it's twenty years ago. The checks are still coming in. But he said that streamers don't pay as much as mm-hmm. network TV. Yeah, yeah. There's a big, there's big issues there with the streaming services and how that pans out for actors right now. It's- but that makes sense why Blackish gives you your fifty bucks. That's right, baby. Oh yeah, just play it on repeat. Get Mama her dollars. Blackish is about black people. Yeah. Those of you listening from home, this is a beautiful beach blonde girl. Couldn't be further away from black. What role did you play in this episode? Annoying white girl. <laughs> did you really? <laughs> yeah. Like quintessential annoying ass white girl. Was that super fun to play? It was so fun. I mean, that show is, it's pretty brilliant. It's yeah. really exciting to see. Sitcoms are cheesy for sure, but the writers are brilliant. Those are excellent minds being put to use for something pretty funny. And we were always meant to believe that it's because they all get high in that writer's room. You think so? Where was this taped at? Which? Uh, Blackish. It was at USC. 
Really? Yeah, they got big money, baby. It was like a college scene or something. Oh. Played a college girl. So It's kind of funny to like talk about, oh my God, tell me about the roles that you had. And they're all like, I had one line in this. <laughs> but okay, but that's another reason why I do want actors on here from time to time. Because tell the truth. Well, also, I, I, I'm way into dispelling myths. And just like your expectations of Hollywood got crushed immediately, as they should, because life just isn't like that. As they need it to be, yeah. Yeah, life just isn't they like that. And so it takes a while just to even get that one line. Mm-hmm. And then it takes a while to get blackish. And then after blackish, you'll get weed money. <laughs> <laughs> right? Precisely. They used to call it beer money, but we don't drink anymore. There we go. Yeah. Cali sober. Tell me your first experience doing drugs. Yeah. Was it in Arizona? It was in Arizona. I'm trying to think. The first, if we're calling cannabis a drug, you a know medicine. What? Shelby got mad at me when I when I said that I have issues calling it a drug because I don't look at it as a drug. Shelby got mad at you for calling cannabis a she drug. She was like, "This is semantics, and you know, I." I can we get beyond that? And I was like, well, I would love to get beyond it, but the bad people of the world put all drugs in one box. And I don't think that that's fair. I, I, weed has never killed anybody. Or I think maybe just reframing the word drug. It's kind of like the word whore. You, like reclaiming the word whore. Women are like, why does it have to be a bad word? Like it's only associated with women who are sexually like boisterous and open, why should that be a bad term? Drugs, it's just, it, it's a heavy handed word, but the things that it encompasses are not all bad. It just, no. we've just sullied the name, the label, unfortunately, and then it overcomplicates. Are you friends with Mary Carrion at all? I know, I know of her. So Mary was telling me that today, it's just, you're foolish not to test white powdery substances when you do them. I tested everything for Burning Man. Who do you use? Dance Safe. Yeah, that's a Love really, them. it's really, really, and I, yeah, crazy times because I had my drug tests for all of my substances and then I had a little thing of Narcan in my backpack just in case anyone went down. Good for you. Our camp had a ton of Narcan, not because we're like, we're not doing a lot of nose candy in, yeah. in my group, but we had an awareness that people might be going down around us and right. so we could help. So one of the things I learned maybe 10 years ago, because I popped too many MDMA pills. Was it ecstasy or MDMA? I'm not sure. Okay. It was, it was good, <laughs> but it was taking too long to kick in. So I kept eating them. I know. And then I hopped in a hot tub. This is like the edible story. <laughs> probably. And I hopped in the hot tub. I passed out. And so the lesson that I learned was snort your snort it next time. <laughs> Even though I'm like you and I don't want to snort anything because it just seems weird. It seems druggy. But I think that's the way to go. Wow. Or you could boof it. 
What's that? Shove it up your ass. <laughs> I'm kidding. I've never boofed anything, Brooke, but I love you. Put it on the list. <laughs> Germany and boofing. Maybe I'll do it all in one place. <laughs> People really do this? Yeah. And you're okay. I'm not. I'm not. I swear I'm not being gross about this. You brought it up. Yeah. But your body accepts it in a, in an. It goes right into your bloodstream, baby. But it absorbs it up in there. Yeah, you're skipping. Even though that's the exit door, the stomach and yeah. And you've never an tried this? this. I've never tried it. I think I'm gonna have to try this. Yeah, I think you should probably. <laughs> you should probably do it right now. <laughs> you should do it right now. <laughs> Interview over. Nice meeting you. But it's like that's like like there's no there's no there's no plan there's B. There's no like reverse button on that. No. <laughs> I mean, people do, I'm sure you've heard there was an era and I bet on earth humans are still doing this. Women would saturate tampons with alcohol and insert them and you get fucked up. You can do that up your ass too if you're a dude. There's also like, I remember a long time ago hearing about people. <laughs> my mind is blowing right now. Yeah, that's right. She's laughing at my mind blowing. Holy shit. People would take shots of alcohol and take it in their eye. Oh. And I remember that era. It was like a grand new discovery. And then people were going blind. Yeah. No shit, you idiot. Wow. But you would get super fucked up from a very minimal amount of alcohol in your eye. I'm still laughing at boofing. Yeah. And isn't boofing just like the perfect word? It's such a great word. It's kind of like, like, <laughs> It just sounds like quick and to the point. I can't believe I'm going to try this one day. Moderately invasive. I can't believe you're going to try it today. I'm not going to try it today. <laughs> because, okay, here's the thing about ecstasy, which, have you discussed ecstasy on your podcast? You know, I have not. Okay, good. But I should. Of course. You, um, uh, with Ophelia, you, you grazed over it a mm, little bit. Yeah. And I love how rigid she is about not wanting to do it recreationally, her, her drugs. Like she's, she's really cool. She's man. serious. And it's important to have people like that. I think to yeah. just be hard asses to because, challenge the status. But quo. we went to party schools. So it's like, we, we want to be recreational about this. I think there's major benefits in recreational it, cannabis or I'm mean, sure. substance use. And the drug is going to decide what the trip is anyways. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, oh, yeah, sure. You're, you want to just party, Tony? Well, I'm going to teach you a few lessons along <laughs> the way. Very good point. <laughs> Such a true statement. For me, psychedelics have confirmed the spiritual essence, connectivity, and the magic of life in a way that nothing else can. I grew up obsessed with Sabrina and reading about witchcraft. And Harry Potter, I was like, oh, I just want to like have a wand and clean my room. Like, this looks so cool. <laughs> and I've realized as an adult that the magic that I have sought is real and all around me and accessible through psychedelics. Wow. Maybe I don't have a wand to clean my room, but like, I, I it's like the trees are talking. It's a little bit cooler, Sabrina. You're, you're not a goth, emo, dark person at all. No. But would you would you want to do you dress up as a witch on on Halloween and stuff? Like, do you like that? Oh, I'm down to get fucking weird, my dude, for <laughs> sure. Like, are we going to have a full moon ceremony where I'm naked, covered in blood? Like, sure, let's go. Um, huh. But I tend like the occult interests yeah. me. Really? We dabble in the mysterious, the conspiracies. Oh, yes. 
Um, the darkness, I accept the shadow. I do not spend all my time there. Right. Yes. But I, but I think like, especially moving to LA, God, it's really funny the, the transformation that I've underwent. But I feel like when you move to LA, you know, basic bitches find like the law of attraction and they're like, I'm manifesting everything. <laughs> and it's so annoying. And I was one of those people for a long time where I was like, I need to be positive all the time. And everything I say needs to be rainbows and butterflies and everything is perfect all the time. I promise. I know it is. And I remember my mom being like, it's okay to have bad days. And I was like, no, it's not. It means I'm doing something wrong. Now, years later, I realize that yes, rainbows and butterflies, but the, the darkness and the weird and the creepy crawlies are like part of it all too. And, yeah. and I think that's another thing that psychedelics has taught me is like, you know, existence is a full circle and everything fits inside of that circle. And um, even if you prefer one side of that circle, you're still in the same space as all of the weird shit. So yeah, at one point or another, you have to look at that and realize like the whole is the whole and you cannot escape the whole. <laughs> right. Yeah. My college years, 2008 to 2012, ecstasy was rampant in Miami. Oh. Started with the pressy pills, uh, which was a different era of the substance, if you ask me little bit more of a crackhead era oh but i i really did a lot of ecstasy and molly in college and when i moved to la i embarked on a period of sobriety like entirely no drinking no substances i mean psychedelics sure um <laughs> but i really thought that i had put those days behind me yeah i have not i have since been reborn a new relationship with molly but um, because very what? much a party substance for me, for sure. But but okay, what what are the what are the aspects of Molly that you just couldn't live without? Well, probably what made me return to relationship with Molly were friends that were doing it. Oh. So you could say like a bit of peer pressure of, well, if they all like this, like what is my big gripe with it? And I think my gripe with anything, come, like I get very judgmental about things that I deem unhealthy, even though I am not a pinnacle of health. You can always be healthier. Yeah. Uh, but I was kind of in the camp of like, I'm pretty sure I've like reduced my brain's capacity as far as it can go. I probably shouldn't do this anymore. Misinformation about what ecstasy does to your brain. But Oh, you know, really? It doesn't hurt it as bad as we were told it does? I literally was like, it's taking ice cream scoops out of my brain. No, it's not doing that. I mean, any substance that you abuse is going to deteriorate, deteriorate your system in some capacity. But yeah. uh, there's a lot of things that you can do before, during, and after an MDMA experience to help recoup the facilities that you've lost. Yeah. Um, like I'm taking 5-HTP post-Burning Man right now to help my serotonin levels regulate. 5-HTP. Mm-hmm. Don't know what that is. It is a vitamin that you can get at CVS. You shouldn't get it at CVS because they sell shit products, but you can... GNC? Probably a little bit of an upgrade. Koreatown? Uh, Vitacost.com. Uh, <laughs> it's called Vitacost? Vitacost. I mean, it's like a vitamin website that I get stuff from. But 5-HTP, I believe it's a naturally occurring compound in your body. 
when it helps to regulate your serotonin production because what? what MDMA does is it floods yeah. your serotonin that's in your body. It floods it all out so that you have one hell of a good, happy time. Yeah. But then afterwards you're depleted. Right. So if your body doesn't have the resources to recoup that serotonin, you can get like a little supplement, a little boost in the form of 5-HTP. You can also take magnesium because Molly can be really hard on your muscles, like clenching of the jaw, you know, tightening, like, uh, so magnesium's really good. I mean, there's lots of nice things that you can do for your body. And I think this is an interesting, you're like opening my mind right now to something that many people are privy to. There is a more supportive way to use MDMA that acts as an enhancer to your life, not something that like crashes you at a party, that you like run yourself into the ground to have yeah. a good time. Okay, so let's go back to Special K. Okay. Because that's a drug I know nothing about other than Lamar Odom. Are you familiar with this? Lamar Odom, the, bas- the, basketball, player. the basketball player who was dating a Kardashian for a while. Yeah, that, that sunk all the way downhill for a minute. He went all the way downhill and on his way back up learned about ketamine treatment where he goes to a real doctor who puts him in a, like a, almost a barbershop chair. Like it looks really comfy, like a warm blankie. Turns down the lights. There's great music. And gives him some fucking special gay. I would be terrified. Should I not be terrified of this? You should not be terrified. Great. Particularly any kind of clinical setting for a psychedelic experience. You're with, like, potentially maybe two straight-laced of people. But (laughs) generally, I think that the humans that are drawn to facilitating these experiences have in-depth personal relationships with these substances and right like have that have that awareness to support you through whatever comes up yeah i'm curious about working with someone in that setting with psilocybin i've had many mushroom journeys independently but i'm curious as i've sat in ceremonies with other plant medicines i'm curious about what what that could look like but when it comes to ketamine again no expert quite a novice to me and it is described as a disassociative substance so it's almost as if there is a barrier and and I was curious like I've never I've never taken an opiate before but I wonder if there is some kind of similarity there that separation between you and everything else you and pain you and negative thinking you and everything kind of just felt like a dissolve washing over my body of like, I could worry about that, but like, oh, the effort is like, it's too much. <laughs> I'm just instead going to be over here, like happy, feeling squishy in my body. And yeah, I, and I do imagine that someone who's entering into a guided experience with ketamine would be able to speak about things in their life with like a with a distance between them and the intensity mm. of the trauma. Yeah. And to be able to zoom out and and look at things objectively and and without like so much tightness or or tension around emotion or experience. Um, Do you feel euphoric? Do you feel good physically? It was really interesting. Trust me, I, I was experiencing a lot of different chemical compounds in my body over the past week and a half. <laughs> but the ketamine 
in conjunction with MDMA, Ooh. really help to ground down like the intensity, kind of like the spiked energy that MDMA can sometimes come with. Yeah. Um, so that was really an interesting partnership. And moderately psychedelic, definitely oh. like a sensory enhancement. Huh. The weirdest part to me was probably the loss of like control of my body is really what it like. I was dancing and I was like, wait, where are my legs? Who is moving my legs? Wow. I did an experiment with myself where I got low, Tony. I got low. I was getting low and then I stayed there. I stayed in like a squat essentially on a dance floor dancing. Yeah. And in my head I was like, this should be burning by now. This should be like pretty difficult to be in this squat. Yeah. Nothing. No pain. No, I was like mind blown. And then I thought, well, surely tomorrow I'll be sore. That also didn't happen. So it was kind of like, you know, like exercising underwater. You're like able to do more than you should be able to. Uh, and perhaps that's that, that separation of like what you think you can't do is actually an illusion. talk about shrooms mm. because um first of all you you did a class on how to, how grow, to grow your, your own, own shrooms. shrooms yeah that's right baby which blows my mind because when i was in santa barbara so one day i walked into this guy's house and he he's like hey man look under my sink and he's growing shrooms underneath his sink Aww. and i and i was like i guess i never thought about where they came from and he's like and he was hippie he was like you should always think about where things come from. Oh, I love that. And so when I met Ophelia at that PAX thing, very briefly, she talked about how she grows all of her own shrooms nearby. And when I saw that you taught this class, I'm very curious where one would get the spores in order to, to do this. <laughs> uh, where you would get the spores, this, is the million dollar question. Oh, it is. Well, you got to ask around, right? Because is, is it not kosher to have spores? Is it illegal to have the spores? It is illegal in certain places to have spores as psychedelics become decriminalized from city to city as they just were in San Francisco literally Can you believe yesterday. That? Holy shit, setting a precedent for the rest of California. So smart of them to do that. Critical. It's critical. It's time. Of course. Um, Which means still illegal, but the cops aren't going to actually tr chase after right. you. Right. It's not a priority for yeah. them. But yeah, you could still get fucked. And if you're black or brown, you probably will be. Um. <laughs> okay, so you got to ask around. I don't, I don't want you to reveal any secrets. Yeah. You just talk to people. You put it out there. And if you're a good person, you'll yeah, find the sports. There. And so, sometimes you can like order them. Oh. Yeah, you can order them. So I get my spores. I take your class on Double Blind. Exactly. It's like 150 bucks, 175, something yeah, like that. Yeah, sure, something like that. Whatever. After that, I'm going to have free shrooms for the rest of my life. Pretty so, much. So it's a great investment. Pretty much, baby. Uh, do I have to buy a lot of stuff to make my, my shroomies? It's an extremely economical agricultural endeavor, for sure. I mean, you need some like baseline supplies, like 
Tupperware and gloves. Um, I would say probably what's the biggest investment is time and, and committing to, it's a very sterile process. You have to be very mindful of, I mean, there's spores, right? So you're trying to grow one type of spore, but if spores and bacteria are in the air all around us in abundance, you have to be very mindful not to cross contaminate. So your grow can get fucked up pretty easily. So bow down to the mushroom masters of the world. So he shouldn't have been growing them under his sink in Isla Vista? I'm sure he knew what he was doing. Mm. It's both a difficult (laughs) process and, you know, we, we exaggerate it as well. If you're committed to a yield, then so you shall. But I'm really excited about people getting excited about growing mushrooms because as we continue to witness capitalism sink its greedy teeth into an emerging plant medicine industry it's more critical now than ever that people have the awareness that they can grow their own they can create their own cannabis psilocybin meet a chemist that can make you your lsd um yeah i mean i'm kidding i don't i don't know that person i wish i did maybe i do and they just haven't revealed to me their true nature yet but it's very empowering to grow our, our own plant medicines, um, whether it be lavender, mugwort, tobacco. Well, also, then we don't have to test it either. I mean, God bless Dance Safe. And then we can share. I, I think it's dancesafe.org. Yeah. Huge shout out to them because they literally are saving people's lives. Yeah. And I've heard stories of young people at raves who are told this is not ecstasy, and then they eat it anyways. So sometimes- yeah, you were young and dumb once upon a time, right? It was just not a lot that safer dumb. them. Not that dumb. True. If you told me this is not what you're going to True. eat. I wasn't like popping pills from strangers. Right. But like. Or if I did, I'd be like, hey, Maury, why don't you eat it first? <laughs> I'll Set check your timer for an hour. Exactly. Maury, you doing? You breathing? <laughs> okay. So relatively easy to grow your own. Uh, relatively inexpensive. Just find a clean spot that your cats aren't going to accidentally screw up exactly a clean dark area yeah that's easy yeah it's so easy yeah you just have you have to tend to them almost daily i do you do for a period of time first for a chunk of time okay you have to tend to them daily yeah you also um admitted on your podcast that you have been known to microdose what yes i'm currently on a protocol what does that mean it's the stamets protocol so there's different like philosophies as to what is the best way to take microdoses. Yeah. Generally, it's not every day. Okay. It's like you people have the, your own vocabulary. Yeah, you people. Well, <laughs> seriously though, I, I put I put all of you cannabis experts, of which you are one. You know the vocabulary. You're so smart about it. And at first, I was like, well, they're just doing that to like pretend that they're just not getting fucked up, but. The more of you people I meet, the more I get it that, you no, you're serious about it. And when you are serious about a hobby, let's pretend this is a hobby, you, you learn the vocabulary, you learn the process so that you get the most out of it. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of deep honoring to the real experts in these fields. I am a supporter of these, these people, but um, there's still so much to learn for myself. So I'm just doing my best to respect the vernacular that I too am learning on the day to day. 
And in no way is it to exclude anyone from the conversation. I think it's just a way to legitimize. Um, language is important, right? Like the distinction between drug and medicine. Right. It's an important thing. So I have equated this before, like cannabis and, and psychedelics. I have compared it to yoga. I'm also a yogi, and I think sometimes people go into yoga classes for the first time, and they feel really intimidated, and they feel uninvited, and they feel like, my body can't do this. I should never come back. Oh. And I think in some ways that can happen in the psychedelic or cannabis spaces. People feel ostracized. They're like, I had one bad experience. Like, it's not for me. I should never return. I don't know it. And I think language helps to create more opportunity of, for people to understand and feel like they can be a part of this and, and that there's more to figure out and know there's more nuance and that creates a more welcoming environment. You would be the best yoga instructor. <laughs> I have tried, as you can see from my belly, I have failed. And I did have that conversation going in my head because I, I first went to Runyon Canyon's uh, free yeah, yoga in the park. You did? Yeah. Not teach it. I used to go there. Right. Yeah. And it was, it was a gateway drug because, well, it was free. Yoga quote be like that. I'm sorry? Yoga be like that. Yeah. And so it was just, it was very welcoming out there in that little meadow. But God, everybody looked like you. Everybody looked like this perfect person. And they, they had like the, the outfits and they could do all the things. And the guy was like really fast. It was like an army kind of a thing. I literally know the class that you're talking about. Yeah. I hated his class. It, it was like militant. It, it wasn't spiritual at all. And I wanted that spiritual part. You, I bet you are a great yoga instructor, mm. a.k.a. yogi. Yes. Where can people take classes from you at? Oh, my goddess. Well, I used to teach yoga like full-time, full-time. I'm just now getting back into the swing of things as a way – to soothe my soul and expand my offerings. So right now I am teaching exclusively at Light on Lotus, which is the best studio in Los Angeles in Mar Vista. It's on Venice and it's an incredible space run by a woman named Kate Dunn. She is a absolute yoga wizard. They do teacher trainings and there's lit yoga classes there, which is cannabis infused yoga every oh, once in a while. And that's right, girl. Yes, I know. Life lit, is wild. Like the double entendre of yes. being lit. Yeah. I yeah. Like my friend that. Hannah Mason started lit yoga and it is a cannabis infused yoga practice. And so that means everybody just lights a joint at the beginning of the day. Yeah. You start off by smoking and letting it ground down into your body, and then you move through a traditional yoga practice. Brooke. I know, life is wild, right? Okay. There's so many colors you can paint with. That too, though. Mm. But, but like, the idea that all these girls in Lululemon are just like smoking weed first and like hotboxing that room and then going and do their thing is what people want. Yeah, hot chicks get high too. Right. <laughs> But, but, but like secretly in their car before they go over to the thing. You guys are like, oh, what do you got? Yeah, I've out got of the shadows. Okay, we need to we need to end with yeah. your neighborhood. 
Because this is a podcast about neighborhoods. I know. We hardly talked about Pico. I mean, <laughs> okay. You call Mid-City where you live. I call it Pico. I have mad Pico pride. I actually ran for the Pico Neighborhood Council, but then it got like a little too exhaustive, so I dropped out. Have you been to neighborhood council meetings before? A digital one, and it was so fucking boring. It's not for you. It's not for me. This personality. No. No way. No. Uh, Okay. Tell me about your neighborhood that you like. Oh, my goddess. Pico. Mid-city. It's a bit of a no-man's land, if you will. I live by an abundance of auto body shops, and sometimes... When I'm in my beautiful backyard that I can afford because I live in mid-city no man's land, I have to go inside because I can smell chemicals from the auto body shop spray. It is not great. Mm. But at night, after 8 p.m., Pico is silent. Oh. And the homes in my area, lots of single family, like first-time homeowners. There's actual kids like in the neighborhoods. And it is centrally located. I've got friends on the west side, friends on the east side. Mm-hmm. Anything that I'm doing in Hollywood, like I feel like I'm at the center of Los Angeles yeah. and I'm not, it's never like a no that's too far because I'm I'm really not in one place. It's undefined. Yeah. But I happen to have a lot of friends that have moved to the area or that now live in the area that makes it really feel cozy and homey to me and I love like I love Pico. I'm I'm so proud of the area. We have amazing restaurants like Bloom. We have My Two Cents. We have Paper or Plastic, the greatest coffee shop in Los Angeles. We have <laughs> Damn Good Coffee. Uh, we've got the cannabis dispensary, the grocery, La Brea Collective. You know, it's it is like a very slow roll neighborhood. I don't know if it's ever gonna pop off like I desire it to. <laughs> But Pico will always have a place in my heart. That was the, the perfect presentation Good for Good ad, yeah. Uh, what is your flower of choice when you go to these uh, dispensaries? I don't often because I'm a cannabis influencer, so people give me weed. Poor girl. <laughs> I know. <laughs> when they give you your little box, mm. what are you hoping is in that? Cannabinoid-rich flour. I smoke flour exclusively. I like to roll my own joints and spliffs oh. with some Gorgeous homegrown tobacco as well. I know blasphemous coming from a cannabis girl, but I love it. I put herbs in my cannabis as well. Raspberry leaf, rose, lavender, peppermint. Let's go. Um, But (laughs) I'm looking for flour grown by someone who is well-versed in cannabinoid and terpene profiles. I want that information. I'm not just looking for high THC potency. That is something that cannabis companies are misleading people into believing is important. I want CBD, CBG, CBN. I want all the acronyms available in my flower. I want to know that it's terpene forward. I tend to really like woodsy, like pinene, beta caryophyllene. I like the spicy, um, more grounding cannabis because I am such a firefly that I like my weed to bring me back down to earth. I don't need anything to like put me higher in my head. Yeah. Uh, so that tends to be where I lean. And I really love a brand called Lake Grade, which is sun-grown flower in Lake County. Fucking amazing. And then they have a sister company, Fume, that has been really good to me. So I'll shout them out. I love them. Lake Grade. Lake Grade. Lake Grave? Lake Grade. Like a grade, grade in school. Okay. A, B, C, D. And what, an A+. Plus. And, and who is the company that takes care of you? Fume. Fume. 
Fume. So that's like late grade sister company that's oh. a little more like highbrow, like really mm-hmm. for the flower aficionado, that's your that's your steez. I don't know much about terpenes. Is there a magazine or a, or an article or a book I should read to like learn about this? Well, you can watch an episode of The Daily Squeeze where we talk about terpenes, but essentially terpenes are things that have existed far beyond them being used in cannabis vocabulary. Terpenes are aromatic compounds found in plants. Okay. And uh, we will extract terpenes or synthesize them in a laboratory to make perfumes, things like that. Oh. So just like you've heard, like lavender, hippies smell lavender essential oil because it calms them down. Yeah. It's a terpene called linalool in lavender that's having that, you smell that chemical compound, it changes something in your brain, and it brings you down. It calms you down. So linalool can be found in cannabis strains. So when you smoke that cannabis, that might have a sedative effect on you. There's a lot of different terpenes. There's a lot of terminology. Don't feel like you need to know it all. It's all just, you know, more information to give you a more well-rounded experience. Brooke, you're the Oprah of weed. Wait, did, you know, that, did you know that I wanted you to say that? Did you want me to say that? I literally have said, I was like, I want to be the Oprah of cannabis. This is why I fucking love witches. <laughs> you guys put the little spell on us and we are your little puppets. Fine with me. I'd rather learn it from you because I truly get from you that you mean it. Mm. That, that this isn't bullshit for you. You know, and I think that that's one of the problems that people have with actors and actresses in L.A. Is when do we trust them when they cry? When do They're we trust them when they lie? lie. But, and, and actors have told me, this fucking sucks. I want to be trusted. I'm not getting paid right now. I'm being real with you. And so I think you would be the greatest Oprah of all this higher stuff. And Zoe can be your executive producer. Yes. And, um, and you'll be my first guest. No, no, no. I, what I will do is I will have Jordan be your band leader, my producer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you hear that, Jordan? I hope you liked listening to this. Brooke, this has been an absolute delight. Do you have any other shout outs before we go? Just a big fat thank you for having me here in your beautiful home nah. to have a delightful conversation about Pico and pill popping. <laughs> well, we will see you at the next Burning Man. Okay. Boof you later. How great was Brooke? You know who we'd go to Burning Man in a giant RV and do it all wrong with? Our Patreons. When you stoke us, you're saying, Tony, Jordan, today you taught me about boofing. Have some money. So shout out to our Patreons, Nancy Rommelman, Sean Atlow, Matt Mills, Sean Wallace, Greg and Molly, Jamie Taylor, Mark Johnson, who who just saved here in LA.com. Thank you, Mark. Kira Ann, Barney Granke, Ben Welsh, Jen Adams, Trevor Wilson, Bree Wild, Dougie Gyro, Christina Up North, Robin Carey, and Adam Shorn. Want to support this fine podcast that features beautiful souls like Brooke? Go to patreon.com slash here in LA and just keep on giving. Also, shout out to our Angelinos. To be an Angelino, all you have to do is pay Palace 25 bucks or more, and we will list you on the Here in LA website or the Medium blog forever. Just pay Palace that hard-earned cash to busblog at gmail.com. Want to support us, but you've spent thousands on Burning Man? You can still help. Post your favorite episode on your Facebook. Oh, oh, oh. Post two? Two? 
tweet something nice about this. Anytime you see me tweet about an episode, just retweet it. It's it's a click. Let's 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 hear how the click sounds. Bloop. And for God's sake, tell your friends. Tell them how Here in LA is spelled and that it's on Apple and Google and Spotify podcasts. It's even on Amazon podcasts. Here in LA is produced by myself, Tony Pierce, and a man who I want to see play trumpet nude next to a giant burning image of a man playing trumpet nude, Jordan Katz. Editing, mixing, and music supervision by Jordan Katz. Songs by Orgone and Jordan Katz. Special thanks to Cindy for creating the logo, Jen for inspiring this, and Zoe Wilder, who has now given this podcast two amazing guests and has just celebrated a birthday. Happy birthday, Zoe. Always test your powdery Powdery drugs. drugs.